Bodies Club is a monthly podcast that celebrates bodies because we believe that all bodies are cool bodies. This episode was recorded in two parts in November 2018 and February 2019. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Um, meeny, meeny, miny, mo, jammer. Yes. You had a jammer. Oh, don't do that to me. That's mean. Jammer. Yes. Where's your body at? Well, um, holy moly, what am I going to talk about today? Uh, I sometimes weave myself a little. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm just going to go there. Uh, Open with a lots banger. Lots of people okay. weave themselves a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Just yeah. every now and again, I'm like, whoop. Hello. Mm. There's a little, little bit of wee. Little yeah. bit of wee. And yeah. it, it happens on the rig. And yeah. sometimes I know when it's going to happen and sometimes I don't. And I... Don't need a diagnosis, but I do need to talk about it because <laughs> you don't need a diagnosis. No, no that's people, fine, babe. It's yeah, don't know why I laughed. It's, it's yeah. funny because people start going, "Oh, have you tried the Kegels? <laughs> have you tried?" Yeah. You know, I'm just like, uh, "There's probably some reason," and I don't have to go get checked out. Yeah, know, it's has not, it been like that always? No, I don't know when it started, but I just I don't. Lots of women uh, like we themselves a bit. Does it yeah, happen when yeah. you do a certain thing? Yeah, like um, like, if you jump up and down. No, it's happened to there's me. no. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, it's a thing that just kind of happens sometimes, and um, it does. There's nothing definitive. Like I'm not going for a run or I'm jumping on a trampoline. Sometimes I'm sitting at my don't desk. Don't jump on a trampoline. Really? It's just don't do it. And I just, you know, I'm just oh, like, at oh. your desk. Yeah, yeah, the stationary. Yeah, mm. sometimes, and that's just something that happens. And my body did it one time. I was just walking home, and I knew I needed to go to the bathroom, and I didn't go before I went to work. And I walked to my front door, put my key in. Well, luckily, I was wearing a dress because oh. all of a sudden I was just like, Psst. "Wow." <laughs> um, do you know what's really interesting? I was just talking about this with my the other day, and it's a thing that um lots of women have when they have given birth as mm. well. It's like really mm. very incredibly common. And um, just FYI, I have not given birth. I was just going to say it's not just women that have given birth. It's women who have been pregnant. I'll just put just. Oh, yeah. Good point. They went to an osteopath recently. And obviously don't take this advice because I am not a medical professional. But my was saying that if you feel like you're about to pee your pants, that if you clench your toes like this, is there some muscle that contracts just before that happens? Um, And it can and it can stop stop the sitch. I'll try it. Yeah, I mean, give it a whirl. Because it, it, is it like, do you know what's going to happen? Sometimes. Or is it just like, oh, I okay. was going, I was walking oh. somewhere just before. This is why I was thinking about it. It's oh, like, oh, a little bit of wee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, it's just something that happens and I'm fine with it. It isn't embarrassing. It's it's just a little mm. little thing I've noticed that happens with my body. And so that's where my body's at. It's it's not something I, that I have, but I have pooped myself because I laughed too hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing that happened to me when I was in the in the scouts. <laughs> yeah, the scouts. Yeah. I did pee myself at primary school actually. Yeah, because I had a UTI once and I peed on my ex girlfriend's car. Oh, <gasps> were you in the car top. or yeah, on the I car? I peed in the seat. Oh, on the car. like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> I once had to poop in a garden. Um, <laughs> you had to? Well, it was actually, as I was walking home from university, I had to poop in the university gardens because it was just coming out regardless. Oh, wow. Twice. Well, I mean, it actually to... happened on two separate occasions. <laughs> yeah, it happened to me on a hill, on a hill walk when I was quite young. Yeah. On, that... on Banahee, which is a hill where I grew up. I to... I, it was going to happen. Oh, I know, sometimes it just Wipe does. My it's with like... a receipt. <laughs> Imagining you like carrying a little clipboard of receipts up the hill or something. Just shit. in case. I was like, just doing, doing a walk in my taxes. <laughs> Age nine. Always prepared. Okay, uh, Sarah, where's your body at? Um, gosh, I don't really feel like that was a real goodie, wasn't it? <laughs> that was quite a banger to start with. It was a major banger. All I'm wanting, wanting to talk about is how I feel super full right now because we all went out and had lunch together. Which is where I weed myself. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, was it? Just a little bit. Oh, oh, how come you didn't tell us about it? What? Yeah, I guess you didn't have to. Kind of did. Yeah. Well, yeah, you <laughs> on, did. On Just record. a little bit yeah. later. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, God. I feel so freaking full. And then I had to come home and put sweatpants on. 
You've been imagining those sweatpants since way before lunch. I know. Actually, I when I got out of bed, both of both Mike and Gemma said to me, "Why aren't you wearing the sweatpants?" And I was like, "Cause I wanna." you know i feel feeling good feel good and then i was like two hours into the day i was like where are my sweatpants yeah. or where are Gemma's sweatpants <laughs> <laughs> and so now i'm wearing like really long sweatpants for my short Cozy. body and there was a point today when i was three quarters through smashing a yeah, spicy I mean, miso ramen but i knew i was full and i could have stopped yeah, but so i didn't do you feel <clears throat> satisfied Oh, I'm beyond, I'm past satisfied and I'm just profoundly full. Um, and I think actually Excuse though, me. it's it's a thing that Sorry. I do avoid in my life because I find feeling full probably to be one of the most uncomfortable feelings I can have in my body. Well, I, I truly hate it. Really? That's yeah, interesting. I really, really dislike it. And I think I'm, I think I'm actually quite good at like regulating how much I eat or something because I just, there is a point, a cutoff point that's really distinct for me. And if I go over it, it's, I'm really uncomfortable and I just don't. Are I you don't, past don't the point of good. no return now? Uh, no, I'm, I'm there. I mean, I've got a wine and um, the heater's on, so, and I'm in track <laughs> pants. <laughs> so, <laughs> is, that, is that living your best life? I think it probably is. Um, Pretty close. Yeah, if I was not full and I had a wine and the heater on, I was on track oh, pants I and I'd be, you know, <laughs> it'd be good. It's a window into our little recording world, isn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't mind asking how you feel when you're really full. Is it a is it a problematic feeling for you? Because I like honestly, I really I find it intolerable feeling. Well, here's my oh, you know I told you about myths about being full. Yeah. Sorry, can I sh- I'll share these very quickly with you. When I was in school, yeah. um, a teacher, an English teacher, told me that if you are because I was walking along munching a sausage roll or something like that, something equally unhealthy for lunch, and she said, oh, now if you're walking and eating at the same time, then you won't feel full. You won't feel the benefit. And I've never checked it. So that could be true or could you're be a lie. You're walking and you feel full. No, you're walking and eating. You won't feel full. No, that's silly. That's I don't bullshit, believe isn't it? True. I've snacked and, <clears throat> and walked. Another one is um, if you uh, you feel full after 20 minutes, it doesn't matter how much you've eaten. If you eat for 20 minutes, you feel full. Think of all the lies that we've just accepted about all of these sorts of things. We used to do a disclaimer that we weren't medical professionals, but um, I think this chat has has superseded that. (laughs) No one is going to listen to anything we say and take it seriously. Yeah. Good. Yeah. How do you feel when you feel full? Do you, is it it horrid or is it It's not horrid. It's manageable. Like I feel quite full now, but I'm all right. I I wouldn't want to go for a run. Yeah. Mike. Where's your buddy at? Uh, I'm going to talk about something really, really superficial. Well, I think it is. <laughs> so you. I've been um, up in Nelson for the summer. Um, it's been a particularly good summer. It's always nice up in Nelson anyway, but it's been a particularly good summer. So I've just been rolling around in my shorts and T-shirts. I've barely worn socks and shoes yeah, for about shirts. three months. And I've got a tan now. That's unremarkable. Yeah. Uh, in many ways because well i should no, it add, is remarkable it is well yeah <laughs> what you can't see is quite how translucent my skin is normally <laughs> i'm not from a hot place i'm from the northeast of scotland where the sun comes out sometimes but it doesn't get that hot but uh, the reason i bring it up is not because i'm humble bragging about my tan nah. i'm just i just made me think about tans and think hey isn't that weird isn't it strange that that's a thing that we all aspire to do we well, I, okay, not us in this room necessarily right now. I'm but, always that person, eh? But the industry. So, okay, there's tanning products, right? You can go and buy a tan yeah, and rub it all over your of, body if you want. It's a narrative, I guess. Yeah. Mm. And I just thought, isn't that interesting to think about why that's... Why do you think that is? Why is a tan something that people aspire to? Uh, I think the, the, a few things that come up for me. <clears throat> the first one is because people say it looks healthy. And also, too, it's a sign that you have leisure time. A sign you have leisure time. Yeah, because you can go out and get a tan and just casually sign that, like, I've been on holiday and so therefore I can afford to go on holiday. So it's kind of like showy for some people. Well, hundreds of, not that many hundreds of years ago, but a couple of hundred years ago back in in Europe, it was a sign of wealth to not be tanned because you wouldn't go out and do the work yourself. That was the idea. It was a sign of nobility Mm. to be as yeah, pasty I as you think, can I guess be. the general weird, gist eh? here is that these things, that, like they just change all the time. Well, they completely flip yeah. reverse. Awesome, I'll put my thing back, flip it and reverse no, it. I often put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. And in this, in this case, 
That's exactly what I've done. <laughs> because mm. it's like, it used to be like, no tan at all, then everyone knows I'm amazing. And now it's 100% reversed, where it's like, oh, I've got to get a tan so everyone knows I'm amazing. Full 180 degree turn. But anyway, it got me thinking. That's yes. what's happened. It's happened, and I've got an interesting combination of tan on my foot because I've got both a jandal tan and, and you, a slips tan too. I definitely want to get a snap of that. You always have a great tan line on your face though. Yeah, you do. Oh, my glasses tan. Yeah, glasses <laughs> it's just tan these two We've got that. We've got that on, on camera. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hectic. A, it's a good look. I, I love it. it. Do, you want a, do you want a live? Yeah. Live glasses Whoa. tan. Line. <laughs> it's my, it's, my, it's, a, it's just yeah. like, it's so pasty in comparison. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, did, I am. Yeah. Like, even, uh, well, you're not right now. I did definitely notice that you had a tan after living in Nelson. Hmm. It's been good. How do you feel about your tan? Well, that's another interesting thing, yeah. actually, because I don't know how I feel about it. Because I think I look at it and I go, oh, this is new. This is interesting. I like this. Yeah. Um, maybe just because it's new. Yeah. And sometimes it's interesting just like learning how your body can do a thing that you didn't realize it could do. Yeah, that's uh, true. Is this actually the first time you've had a tan? Oh, no. I've not. Well, probably to this extent, actually, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I've never, I've had holidays for a couple of weeks in yeah. the sun. But mm-hmm. what I have done this year is not get burned. Oh, I've had the factor 50 on thick. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who are you going to talk to, Sarah? I'm going to talk to Pinky Fang. She is an illustrator that lives in Wellington with her dog, Lyric. <laughs> By now, you know that we are here to celebrate all bodies because all bodies are cool, cool bodies. bodies. <laughs> uh, you can help us spread this message by giving us some cash. Mm. That'd be awesome. If you could mm. donate mm. to us. Everyone's tasting it. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, we would love it if you went to coolbodies.club slash donate and either dropped us some cash in one little pile or dropped us big bits pile. of big cash. <laughs> or a pile. I don't know. You can decide. You could the- digitally make it rain, but like monthly. Yeah. Oh. By, by signing up to a month. Yeah. yeah that's I feel option. like that would make me feel really good. I mean, I you know the weather and stuff. I quite like looking it up in advance. So yeah. You know. So no we just want a good forecast. <laughs> we want a good forecast. Good yeah. Solid forecast mm. of making it rain every month. <laughs> yeah. You can you can help us with that by going to coolbodies.club slash donate, donate and doing that. So the options are paying monthly or paying one off. But you know, the name the amount. Yeah, the forecast is looking good for mm. another season. The so. forecast mm. is looking good. Yeah. There's a cash front <laughs> coming in. Yeah, I've got my umbrella and my buckets, and I would love those to be filled <laughs> and rained on. So thanks. Do Thank it. you. We're here today to talk about bodies, which is pretty rare. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? So I'm Pinky. I am an artist, which sort of encompasses a few things, mostly visual art related. That's awesome. And because your work is quite, I mean, I was, you know, I do quite a lot of Googling of of your work every so often to see what's going on, (laughs) (laughs) what the updates are. It's kind of quite 80s, right? In a way? Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely um, very inspired by retro sort of design in general. Definitely my colour palette is quite 80s and 90s. Yeah. You definitely Um, got that Memphis style thing going on, which I love. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I was exposed to a lot when I was younger without even realising it by my mum. So it's sort of a mashup of all of those things. And since my last exhibition, which was 70s themed, I'm super into 70s now, whereas I used to be really afraid of orange and (laughs) But I'm super into orange now, so I think I'm going to have a lot more orange things in the future. Awesome. Can you tell me what the most hilarious lie you have been told about having a body is? Or just a lie. It doesn't have to be hilarious. Oh, so this is this is a major one for a lot of people. Pimples and acne are a teenage thing. That was the lie I was told. That is ridiculous. I've had more acne in my 20s and 30s than I did in my teenagehood, and it is not going away. And I would, I was hoping it would be over by the time I turned 20, because, you know, I'm not a teenager anymore. It's so weird, isn't it? Okay, is there anything else that you think is super weird that's out there in the world that we've been taught about in our body that isn't actually correct or doesn't feel correct? 
Um, I guess, yeah, there's that other thing about summer bodies and, like, get your summer body now. You have to have a certain type of body and, like, a, a tone of body and all these sorts of things to be attractive in the summer. Totally. <laughs> Whereas, like, I've seen from loads of people, you know, the great, oh, my summer body is this body. I put a bikini on it and that's a summer body. Like, yeah. I, I with that and it's something I'm still coming to terms with you know I definitely feel like I become a lot more conscious of my body during the summer and I know it's a way to sell products you know gotta sell that fake tan and whatever yeah totally and I guess the whole idea around attractiveness is kind of weird all the expectation around what it is that a summer body even is I just had this idea of our bodies being seasonal <laughs> you know like oh it's yeah. winter time my body is this oh it's autumn my body is that it's like what the hell most you kind of a little bit similar across the board our bodies aren't seasonal it's not a fashion line you know not at all Mm. and you don't have to feel ashamed about getting your body out in summer if you haven't done anything to support you know to improve it like it's ridiculous that doesn't it's just one narrow stereotype of what is attractive anyway. What it, what do you think a summer body is? I think what from what I've seen and what I've been taught by Cosmopolitan all these years, it's mm. a skinny body that has no, you know, you're able to wear a bikini. You can bend over without having any flab going on, which is impossible for most people. <laughs> Nice and tanned, no dimples on your legs, Yeah. no hair on your legs, no hair anywhere, just, I don't know. Quite intense. Boring shit. That's quite boring. Kind of sounds like um, a summer body is an inhuman body. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) Is it a human that has a summer body? I don't know. Maybe just like a really small percentage of people have that summer body. It's got a lot of pressure, I guess, for humans. It's a huge amount of pressure. Like, your body is... An all-year-round body. (laughs) Yeah, we're not seasonal. I like that idea. Also, just thinking about a summer body, all the describing words and and things that you just brought up. Do you know what was weird that what was going on in my mind was I was only thinking about women? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. That's the problem, right? Yeah. I did not even once start to think about a man when you're describing what a summer body is no which is pretty weird the thing yeah i only imagined the bikinis and stuff so i'm not sure if that pressure is on men as well maybe it is i haven't looked at like a men's magazine recently so i imagine there is a certain amount of pressure there as well but it's definitely usually geared towards women I think so. It's interesting it's weird that my brain did that i was like oh my god i'm being programmed (laughs) got another question for you Cool. <laughs> this one's a little bit more tricky. Um, so have you had any difficult experiences relating to your body that you'd like to share? Obviously, you can have a wee think about this because um, it is a bit of a harder question. Do I need to introduce the fact that I've got the eye condition and stuff? Like, you can is that, or is that in- do whatever you want. If you want to talk about that now, that's cool. If you don't want to, you don't have to. The whole vibe that we're going for is you do what you need to do. We're interviewing you because you're a person. We think you're cool. I want you to lead what you want to do. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, I never know, like, if... Because I know yeah, who I am and I assume people who I know. know. It's tricky, know. isn't it? I don't know like how much I need to explain and I, I don't mind doing it at all. It's real weird because I was actually having this conversation with Mike yesterday who's on the podcast with me. Um, but we were talking about me and how for this podcast series I'm going to need to talk to people about my body so but it's it's it it is weird and and kind of hard like I it's so strange because it's my body and it's just normal for me it it feels sometimes weird how I have to do this kind of like FYI it's kind of like saying oh hello I have an arm (laughs) you know (laughs) or or, I have I don't know it's weird I don't know because you're so used to it right yeah you're so I'm so used to it and and I guess sometimes uh, able-bodied people have this expectation that I'm meant to give them like this rundown of yeah, how I'm meant to yeah. roll and I'm like what the yeah. fuck man uh I don't have to lead that all the time you know I like that because that definitely feels I mean I understand why it, can, it is important to my story and why that like some yeah. people might want to talk to me because of that yeah. But um, I really do like that because that's how I feel in my general life. Basically, never is it a big, like, you know, all the other things come first and then there's mm. the eyesight thing. So. It's a part of you. Yeah. You know, for me, I feel like it. it is me. It's 
it's part of me, but it's not like this headline or no, something. Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah. that's been really one quite tricky challenge for me in doing this podcast because we're obviously wanting to um, talk about bodies and the variety of bodies and make it um, knowing that, you know, all bodies are cool bodies. But yeah. the, the challenge in getting the dynamic right around talking to someone in the, about their body whilst also not kind of highlighting shit too like yeah. letting them lead that thing yeah yeah I mean I'm not I'm not like worried about talking about it at all and mm. like I understand that it's important to my story and stuff cool. so I definitely wouldn't be offended if you wanted to talk about it and I can cool. yeah I guess I can kind of slip it in I guess yeah. I was sort of um wondering if I needed to like, do the whole spiel about specifically mm. about my eyes or if it's okay to just allude to the fact that I can't see yeah. very well do you want me to like ask you a question about it maybe I guess so. I mean, mm. it's up to you. I like your mindset on that. Mm. Like, I do like the way that is. But it's, it's it's so funny that I feel like it's just expected of me to, I like, know. Give It is weird because I have that expectation too and sometimes I get yeah. a little bit um, frustrated by it because it almost yeah. feels like it trivialises me and my experience. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. Maybe I'm just angry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> sometimes which and I'm allowed to be valid. what feels good for you I don't know I mean I'll just answer your questions that you yeah. already have okay. on my mindset and if it comes in then it comes in and if it doesn't then it sure. doesn't and, perfect and I might and that is because it is part of me but yes yeah, just these specific questions when it's about my body on the whole there's all sorts of other things going 100%. on hundred you know? so, like, <laughs> Oh go back to that question then so have you had any difficult experiences relating to your body that you'd like to share um yeah I think my main difficulties with my body definitely would be pertaining to my eyesight which is um a condition which is degenerative so it gets worse all the time so I'm sort of um able to get used to it it's a slow degeneration so like I've mm. I've known I've had it since I was five so it's different to like someone who gets the diagnosis and then they're going blind rapidly which is for my eye condition which is retinitis pigmentosa because mm. there's so many strains of it there actually are a few like quite a lot of strains where it just comes out of nowhere no family history and suddenly you're blind so that you know, I can't really speak to what being completely blind is like or anything like that. I can only really mm. speak to my own, which is this blind at some sometimes blinder than others, like at night and it's sort of all over the place. Yeah. But, um, but definitely I have a lot of trouble with the whole trying to pretend that nothing's wrong thing so when I was younger I was pretending I didn't have anything wrong with my eyes so I would get drunk a lot <laughs> and like fall over and shit and people would just be like oh pinky she's so drunk whereas a lot of the problem was I mean I was also drunk mm. but <laughs> a lot of the problem is that I couldn't see for shit. The main embarrassments that have come from my eyesight have not been from embracing it it's been from pretending I didn't have it. Yeah, sure. Because so, so, then people don't get what's going on. As soon as you own it and you're like, yeah, I have this problem, people are much more forgiving of shit that happens. I really feel embarrassed anymore because people know what's going on. And if they're going to laugh at a blind person, then they're just fucking dicks. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Do you think you shape your world in a way as well where obviously you've got cool people around too, people who yeah. are down with transparent conversation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I couldn't be friends with anyone who thought it was embarrassing to hang out with me or whatever, which I don't know. There would People wouldn't admit that ever, but I'm sure there are people that are like that. But also, yeah, a lot of what came to be me ex accepting my disability was feminism. Awesome. So, yeah, so a lot of people around me now are feminists. So, yeah. you know, and also I assume when somebody is openly feminist, usually I assume, and I know that it's not always safe to assume, but usually I assume they're like an intersectional feminist, which means they know about, you know, including other marginalized groups like disabled people and people of color and gender minorities and stuff like that. So I instantly feel more comfortable around mm. people who identify as feminists. 
Yeah, so there's that willingness to learn and be open to difference. Being open-minded about it, yeah, yeah. definitely. And interested in the discourse surrounding those things totally. as well. Doing this podcast for me has been so kind of interesting and it's been really actually a lot of hard sadness. <laughs> <laughs> because right. I've learned yep. heaps about lots of really shitty things like privilege and racism and because when mm-hmm. you start to look at bodies you can't just say a body you have to one thing that we all talk about in this podcast you know Gemma and Mike and I is how we were, we were investigating bodies first and foremost right but then as yep. soon as we started to look at bodies we couldn't separate it from all the other stuff so you can't separate right. it from racism you can't separate it from no. ability you you know all the the sort of isms just get chucked on a body yeah and so <laughs> it's like we've learned just so much about all of that stuff over the last wee while and it's so it's actually been quite hard and challenging but also at the same time amazing like it's really cool to have people around who are like ready to have those chats. Yeah, I mean, I think that describes feminism for me mm. as well. Like it was, especially at first when you become aware of these things, it is very hard and it's very hard to not let it get you down because totally. you feel so overwhelmed by all these things that you're now thinking about, whereas before you were so happily ignorant. Um, it sort of levels out. Well, it did, it leveled out for me with feminism. You know, I was so angry for so long and I was like, fuck this. And I was, I was accepting my disability, but also so angry at people that weren't. Now I've sort of mellowed out a bit and I still think both things are super important, but I try not to let it overwhelm me, basically. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and I think, you know, we learn strategies around how to do that. So my next question is, what is one of the coolest things about being in your body? I really like that I can make stuff out of nothing. That's um, cool. I feel really lucky that I was born with such a creative mindset and that I'm able to just come up with stuff. And sometimes it feels like magic. <laughs> sometimes I'll be like, oh, there's no possible way that I can like complete this job or whatever. And then it's done and I'm like, whoa, how the hell? And it actually feels kind of like magic. But I mean, it is to be fair, loads of work and stuff, but I still feel like I was gifted with some sort of creative thing (laughs) that's amazing yeah and people are really you know they're like oh I couldn't draw a stick figure or whatever but I think everyone can be taught to do art and you just sort of lose confidence when you get older like kids just draw shit and they don't care so I think it'd be cool if more adults were more confident to make art because everyone has such a unique perspective you can never have enough art you know I feel like One of the saddest things about becoming an adult is that sort of seems to be a trajectory of losing your imagination a little bit. Yeah, totally. It is. And I think that's to a certain extent why people do drugs and stuff. Mm. It's like, (laughs) oh my God. Yeah, trying to get that like playfulness and that imagination back. But it's so there. It's totally there. It is, it is there. You know, it's not something that makes money and it's not seen as a practical skill. So people give up on it, you know? Yeah. Because it is so attached to your body making stuff, isn't it? I really You physically is, yeah. need to do it. Do you feel like you have a experience in your body when you're making things? Do you feel more in your body? Yeah, I would say I, I definitely do. One of my favorite things to do that I don't necessarily, like I don't do it at all to make money or um, anything like that, like it's really a hobby, is sculpting things with my hands. You know, I don't know what I'm doing at all. Like I don't have any training in it or anything, but just actually physically feeling something and moving it around and making something with it. It's like meditation. Do you get lots of funny questions about being a visual artist or an artist and also having... <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. funny because I, I actually preempt people a lot with mm. that, like like I just did with you there. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, because I, I do know it's funny because I have the exact same thing that happens to me, but in different ways. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, you know, it's it's a thing, isn't it? Well, it, it's interesting, but also I think it sounds way more romantic than it is. It's like <laughs> this visually impaired visual artist, but at the end of the day, I can actually see well enough to make everything that I can and my my eyesight basically stops me from getting around easily and like doing shit like that doing art is a really great thing that I can do you know I can do it all at my house so my eyesight really doesn't get in the way it's funny because I think people and I think 
you know, when I've spoken to you in the past, people have a really specific idea of what being visually impaired is as well, which yeah, must be kind totally. of a bit uh, boring after a while, having to like fill in the gaps for everyone. I'm not sure. Maybe it's not boring, but. No, it, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I get used to, you know, everyone around me knowing and stuff. So I forget, but then I've been on dating apps and it's like talking to people who I wouldn't usually talk to or they're mm-hmm. in a completely different bubble to I am and yeah one of the huge things has been like always broaching the subject of my eyesight Mm. so I get this really huge range of reactions to it which is really eye-opening for me because I sort of Mm. live in my bubble where I assume everyone is quite accepting of it I know that they're not and I know a lot of people don't understand they think it's a binary you're blind or you're not it's like if I'm on the bus and I've got my guide dog but then I'm looking at my phone people are like what the <laughs> fuck I really couldn't see. Yeah. yeah wow I get asked about that a lot but to be fair I think it's something like 95 percent of people who are registered blind have some sort of vision so it's actually very rare to have no vision at all and these are things I think the general public don't seem to know and that makes me really question (laughs) how can you live a life where there's a lot of people around and lots of people have different eye situations going on how do we not know that it's not just one way or the other like what what made that happen it's really weird when I think about it because I would say the majority of the public would think blindness was binary and they wouldn't understand that it's a spectrum. And all the time when I tell people this, they're like, oh, you're the first person to tell me this. And I think a lot of it is people don't know many disabled people and Mm. it's not out there. I mean, I think increasingly there's awareness of this, but even the Blind Foundation, they try this stuff, but it's not interesting to people. People don't care. They just love the romance of this totally blind thing. And if you're not that, then you're just in no man's land. You How know? does that make you feel? I know that it's a huge thing for other people that have my eye condition as mm. well. It's super erasing. I feel like a fraud. And that's something that all of the people that I know that have my specific condition, they feel like frauds. They struggle every fucking day not Mm. being able to see things but because they can see Mm. certain things they feel like people are judging them and like thinking that they're making shit up and all of them deal with this even they get it from even from their families their families don't understand it so it's really tricky and I really wish there was more awareness about that and that's definitely a huge reason why I talk about this stuff a lot too basically every blind person I know that still has sight it's like the biggest anxiety it's not even not being able to find stuff or dropping stuff or tripping over it's the social thing of people just not understanding what you are or what this is and what help you need and what help you don't need. So it's super tricky. It is tricky. And I think that, I mean, humans are pretty resilient from a point of view of physicality, you know, like we can deal with change in our body. I mean, it's hard. It can be hard, maybe not different. I mean, depending on who you are, but I think social things have such a huge emotional toll, you know, on, on humans. Absolutely. I would argue that the social stuff is a lot harder than the physical thing. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know in in your experience. No, 100%. There was a really amazing disability advocate called Stella Young. I'm pretty sure she coined the term or she talked about it and it was called the social model of disability, which is that we are disabled by social standards and Mm. the way that the world around us is made up. Yeah. So I think about it like, say everyone bar 10% of the community had the same eye condition as I did. We would have a community and everything set up so that things would be easy for us Mm. right so everything is designed with the majority in mind so in thinking about it in that way I'm more disabled by the world around me that's set up for sighted people than I am by my disability itself if that makes sense sure and even just like on a structural level that's a thing what you're talking about but then there's a sort of social structural level to it it's like oh we've given it the big old tick that it's totally fine for the structural thing to be okay (laughs) so You know, we've we've not given it the big old tick that inclusivity is our standard. It's just majority rules in every case. That's what everything is catered to. So Mm. people don't want to know about other shit. Like, they don't really care. At the end of the day, everything's set up for them. That's fine. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to me too because I think that us as humans are really infinite in our arrangements, you know? <laughs> like, uh, if you are able body, you have an infinite different arrangements of strengths and weaknesses and all of those sorts of things. So it's kind of like, it's weird. It's just weird. Yeah, it you is know? weird. <laughs> it's weird. Bloody it, weird. It is weird that people can't, yeah, come to terms with it. I think we've got a long way to go, but I weird. do feel like things are changing and I feel a lot more comfortable than I did when I was, like, a teenager. That's I'm hoping awesome. that teenagers now will feel a lot more comfortable. How do you think that we can be allies for each other? I think the number one rule is to listen instead of talking. I've had such a education just from the internet and social activist circles and stuff, just listening to and seeing other voices amplified of experiences that I could never possibly imagine. People get really defensive about it and they don't want to like recognize their privilege. And I think it's just important to take all this in and listen to these things without saying anything before you've sort of molded over. This is specifically in situations where you don't have any lived experience of what these people are saying. I think it's really important to just listen, take it in, figure out what they need. Don't try and tell them what you think they need or give them what you think they need. Just really seek out those voices and um, listen to them and what they want and what they want you to do as an ally. 100%. How do you feel we can be a good listener? What steps can you take? Because sometimes it's kind of tricky, right? It is tricky. And if there is no one within your social circle that have different experiences, which is very easy to happen, I sort of feel like now... That's not really an excuse when you've got the internet. It's such a huge source of information like that. And definitely Twitter for me is just amazing because it's just these bite-sized glimpses into other people's worlds. And you can go and like follow these people and really get what their perspective is. Totally. I have one last question for you and it's real easy. Well, actually, I'm probably (laughs) lying. It might be really hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's a quick fire question. Beyonce or Rihanna? Oh, shit. (laughs) This is such a hard question. I I feel like I've just asked you all the hardest questions in the world. No, no, this one's the hardest. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay, so I've had this conversation with others before, and I put it as, who do you think is cooler, Beyonce or Rihanna? And Rihanna wins that. I love them both equally for what they bring to the table, sure. and I think it's different. I have, like, oh two my of golly. my favorite records in my collection. I've got yeah. Beyonce Lemonade and Rihanna Ante, and they are both like these incredible records. Beyonce's comes with a full like color booklet of all the things from her visual album that so she made. Good. You know, and it's on, you know, lemonade, yellow vinyl. <laughs> and then um, with Rihanna Ante, it's actually really cool. The um, cover for her record actually has a poem in Braille. Oh, on that's it. so rad. When you get something like that, you couldn't, you know, that's not something you can experience in an MP3. No, yeah, that's cool. Um, I recently was learning Braille. I'm not going to use it because I don't need to, but as an interesting form anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just so special. And both artists put so much effort into making the vinyl package as appealing as possible. Nice. When both of them could easily just sell so many MP3s, you know, yeah. like it doesn't happen. So. Oh so. my God, I thought it was going to be my last question, but I have one more question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How's your dog, Lyric? Oh, she's so good. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. She's been very good, but always very hungry because she's a Labrador. <laughs> Into the bin. Hi, Pinky. Hi, Pinky. Hey, hey Pinky. You have brought a word along that you would like to smash into a bin because uh, yeah. sometimes words need to go there. What is your word? So my word is, it's a made up word, disabled. So it's not disabled, it's disabled, which oh. is... Short for differently abled, ah. which is um, 
supposedly a nice euphemism for disabled. Mm. Interesting. So disabled. Not only is it hugely problematic, it's also just an annoying play on words. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm already annoyed at it. I, I haven't it. really I know, explored I know. it yet. It looks bad. It sounds bad. In general, it's just like an ugly looking word when before you even get into the problematic nature of it. So. Yeah. Where did this word pop up? Well, I never saw anyone talking about it in a positive way. I'm sort of starting to suspect that someone who was not disabled came up with this word. To make themselves feel better? Yeah, exactly. If you look on Twitter, if you just like search the keyword, basically nobody in the disability community wants to get into, you know, they, they don't like that word. They're just like, come on, just say the word. There is actually nothing wrong with saying disabled. And by <sighs> making up these euphemisms for it, you are... Mm. You're dotting it. Yeah, and you're trying to be nice. I see, you know, the intent is supposedly nice but yeah you're saying disabled is a bad word and being disabled is bad and this like fluffy differently (laughs) abled definitely quite fluffy and it makes no sense the other thing is sometimes it's as if disabled people have superpowers especially with my eyesight there's this thing that supposedly since i can't see very well i've got super hearing so it sort of reminds (laughs) me of that kind of thing it's so interesting that you went there straight away because my first question was just what's it trying to hide what's it trying to shut away from what's trying to soften exactly i would like to hear your opinion on the word disabled Mm -hmm. Uh, i saw a tv program where people who had cerebral palsy i can't quite remember but they preferred to say they were on a spectrum of ability rather than being disabled even though the tv program still said these disabled people Um, (laughs) even though they've specifically said in the stories even tagging on the dis is that separation between supposedly able and right because that's what's associated with ability it is complicated because people do see this makes it like you're less than or whatever but i think it just is a correct word for what it is i mean we're not trying to hide i can't see that's it i'm i I don't have that ability it's like erasing that there are things that we cannot do by trying to come up with these other words. And Mm -hmm. it sort of takes away, not the seriousness of it, but just, you know, makes it a bit softer for people to deal with. Where has the need for the word come from? That's my kind of question. It's like, who do you think Pinky has thought, oh, this is a word that needs to exist. This softness, this gentling of this word disability or this changing of this word needs to happen. Where do you think that came from? This is the thing as well. Like, I want to be clear that if you are disabled yourself, you can refer to yourself in any way you want. So I can totally understand that they wanted to say they were on levels of ability and they don't identify with the word disabled. And also I know other disabled people who don't identify with that word either. And I think it is, again, coming down to that dis that means that we can't do certain things, whereas we can and we're fully functioning in, in, in society. But I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with recognising that there are some things we can't do. I feel like it's other people that can't handle that, you know? Yeah, and I guess there's an interesting point about language as well is choice. So when you get to choose what your label is, that is power. And the kind of the the big thing here, I think that you're alluding to is that um, with disable or really anything, another person defining your label is actually a power stance. You know, like they take power over your identity. So you can say whatever fucking word you want to say about yourself. That's empowering and that's cool and and that flips the narrative as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. For me, coming to terms with my um, eye condition and stuff, just actually accepting and saying I was disabled was really empowering for me. I grew up a lot, you know, thinking, oh no, you know, I'm completely fine. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm trying to hide this fact. By actually claiming that word and being like, no, there's some shit I can't do, deal with it, Mm. actually felt really good and really like, yeah, this is who I am. Do you think, Pinky, that you're unique in thinking or in a minority in thinking that disability is an okay word to use? That's a tricky one to answer because I think I'm so sort of involved in the internet. That kind of, (laughs) oh God, that's a bad way to explain it. But people on the internet, like... (laughs) Disability advocacy and stuff are very in the same vein as I am. And I think they really showed me how to be really positive about my disability and stuff. So they are the sort of people that would be against a word like disabled. Basically, everyone I follow online that are disability advocates 
are very much in the same mind as me, probably where I sort of got that mindset from in the first place. So this is a smashing together of two words, differently abled. What about that? Is that going in the bin with it? Can that still exist? I hate differently abled as well. I okay. think it's a bit, it sounds That's the like, superhero I know, one. I know what they're getting at, yeah, but it does sound like we've got special powers or some shit. The <laughs> other one, handy capable. <laughs> I'm isn't it the word everything about the handy bit is not great i think handicap in general should just go away and we don't reclaim that at all and i i mean i don't know anyone that would use that and trying to make i think we just get rid of the whole thing we don't need to add able to the end of that that's just fucking ridiculous handy abled it doesn't even really make sense it just kind of reminds me of like um i don't know like uh i think a Susie kato singing like some kids song yeah absolutely handy able yeah, yeah, oh my god, one, two, it's three, very or something. Patronizing. I hate it. Yeah, it it's super patronizing. I don't um, know. I think the main takeaway with language is you get to choose, right? Yeah. You get to choose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love the feeling behind everything you've said about just being, just claiming the word disabled. Um, yeah. Because it's just, uh, it, in, in that is inherently you're just saying, can you just fucking deal with it, actually? Yeah, you then, deal with it. Yeah, you deal I mean. with it. That's what I mean. I feel like all of these things are always about making able people feel better about it, you know? Like, yeah. when they can just, I, I mean, it's just, we just need to accept that some people can't do certain things, yeah. and that's not a big fucking deal, like... Also, a lot of able people can't do certain things, too. Exactly, right? Like like empathy? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or, like, addressing their privilege. Exactly, Um, yeah. Okay, so, diff-abled. Diff-abled. Into the bin. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, Marvellous. Thank you very much. Binned. Cool stuff. What's your cool stuff? Record collecting. What's your favourite part of the whole routine of record collecting? Definitely because I'm really into visual arts and art is my thing. The fact that you get the biggest, most tangible form of the album artwork, I think, is amazing. It is nice. Mm. It's really tactile. I've bought records that I already had on CD in that size because they were bigger. So I'm obviously from the UK and I was reminiscing about this record store called Fop. Where mm, things were really like F O double P, fuck, it was awesome. They sold books and DVDs and, and CDs. Everything was really and reasonably priced. It was, yeah, it was like five five yeah. pounds for a for a book generally. I was going to share my favourite memory about a fop store, if I may. Yes, please. I, I um oh shit, I can't remember the band. Pure Morning. No, the song Placebo. Pure Morning. Yeah, Placebo. Placebo yeah, thank right, you. Okay, yeah. No, I so I didn't. Song. It was before I'd learned um, who Placebo were, and evidently I still haven't. I needed pure money, so I sang the, the, cor- the chorus at the counter. I was just like, where is this song? What is it? It was like before the internet, you know, before... I was just like, who does this song? Which album is it on? And the girl was just like, oh, what a fucking creep. Get out of here. And I was like, no, I know that one. That's Radiohead. Uh, and then she said... And then she, they, she sent me to the album, and I got the album. Oh, did you sing it to her? Yeah. It's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, in my 20s, I worked on and off at record stores, and that was, yeah, that was a common thing. <laughs> is it a common? It is, unfortunately, yes. Um, oh. Most of the time, I couldn't fucking figure it out. The worst is when people were trying to um, get, like, a techno or a house song with no lyrics in it. And <laughs> <laughs> so they're just making noise. Oh, yeah. that sounds like such a bad time. Before yeah. we had, um, what's that thing? Um, oh, Shazam. Shazam, yeah. yeah. If we had that then, I would have just held out my phone and be like, look, if the app can't figure it out, neither can I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's been your best record store experience of late? Yeah. Um, well, um, I occasionally work at this really great record store in Newtown called Death Ray Records, which is like the epitome of a record store. It's like this tiny little shop that was started by the guy there, um, Appa. And he started it with his record collection basically so he opened a store um it was initially called eagle genius but now it's uh, death ray records in newtown and he is just like fully in the scene it's very lowbrow very like diy he handpicks everything that comes into the store there's no like record label interference he each year for the birthday runs a little band call <gasps> And basically there's six or seven bands at different little places like a community hall or a shop around Newtown and you just go around and get super drunk and watch bands all day. 
there was a time when everything just sort of petered out in terms of the the small record yeah. store. Yeah, definitely. I was sort of um, very present for that time because I was working at Real Groovy. So it was this oh, cool. um, in between time where like. Um, CDs were going out and nobody was buying this is when mp3s came out like 2006 or so that's you know went into liquidation and stuff because people just weren't buying enough CDs and people still aren't buying enough records for it to be like a really it's not ever going to be a big business model but we still have three record stores in Wellington who I would say now mostly have their sales all in vinyl so that's pretty good How do we feel about massive reprints of classic albums on record that are sold in places like the warehouse. The warehouse is like oh. a big department store. Oh, I know. My nemesis. What people keep telling me is the big orders from reprinting Back in Black by ACDC or something like that and all these things, all these classics, hmm. they're actually jamming up the factories of which there aren't mm-hmm. many that can make mm-hmm. the records and they're actually making it much harder for the, the indie musician and the smaller labels to actually get their stuff printed. Well, the thing that stops middle indie bands from getting runs done is the quantity that you have to make at those kinds of plants. You're not like Snoop Dogg who can press a bajillion <laughs> records and there's a minimum requirement that you have to get done at those record presses. So normally they go to lathes or other smaller presses and then there's a minimum amount but then you end up with 100 records under your bed. I actually <laughs> left um, about 100 50 records under yeah. my friend's bed from this band I was in back in Scotland before I came over. It's super cost prohibitive for smaller bands and huge respect to New Zealand bands that do it because they are not making any money back on those records. I, I know that and I love that I get to own them. But yeah, that's a really good point about those represses clogging shit up because that was actually something I hadn't considered. An old medium that's becoming real sort of fashionable again and people are getting really into it is tapes. Oh, I was you know, gonna cassette say, tapes. Mini discs. I feel like that Mini was discs. like a wee while ago though, wasn't it? Oh, it was a wee while ago. Well, I'm never, I'm never at the forefront <laughs> of any actual trend. Tape is a really funny one. It is very accessible. It's much easier to make a tape than it is to get uh, LP run done, you know? See, for me, there's more, there's far more romance in a cassette tape than there is in a record because Ooh. of growing up in the 90s. Mixtapes. Making mixtapes and yeah. giving them to people. That was, a, that was a real thing, right? Yeah, that, it's interesting as well you say about the tapes because Death Ray Records that I was just talking about, so they had recently an international tape store day, which I think was a piss tape, but it was <laughs> actually, <laughs> tapes, it was tape people would so do that. Tape. We've got like a couple of tape distro people in Wellington, one in like New Plymouth or something. Loads of the labels are hand drawn. Cool. Yeah, I, I love that as well. I love how ghetto it is. Like it's full cottage industry. Yeah, it feels special. It is super special. It takes me back to coveting the chrome tapes because you had to get chrome ones to put in your blue Tascam 4 track if you <laughs> oh wanted to record music. They had to be like <laughs> the six pound chrome ones. <laughs> That's deep, man. I've still got some in, yeah. in rappers that I haven't used. I've got tapes at home of me recording myself singing and playing guitar when I'm like eight or nine. (laughs) Everyone needs to release those. I believe I was singing some Sinead O'Connor numbers. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Pinky. Thanks, Pinky. Thanks, Pinky. Oh, no worries. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cool Bodies Club. We did it, gang. Yeah. Hey, um, remember, if you love what we do and you want to hear more of it, then you can help us out by going to Cool Bodies Club slash donate. Donate. Um, Hit the button. Do the thing. You can give us one of the amounts we suggest or you can tell us to shove it and make your own amount amount up as well. That'd be good. You are in control of your DC. Get creative. You are. Um, If you you can't give money, then you can still um, be a boss and a friend of ours, a friend of the podcast by subscribing, by leaving a review on iTunes. um, Give us all the stars. Five stars. Or just tell your friends um, so that even more people can join the club. Because who who doesn't like telling their mates, hey, I'm this cool club. My friend, this cool podcast. You remember, should go listen to it. Remember those clubs? You were part of the Dennis the Menace Club. Dennis the Menace yeah. fan club. Yeah. You can find us on Instagram, okay, being pals at Cool Bodies Club. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Cool Bodies Club. Or you can email us at hi at coolbodies.club. Look out for more episodes on the last Monday of every month. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.